2022 was the year Queen Elizabeth II died. She was my queen, if you can hear from my accent. And one of my favorite stories about Queen Elizabeth was of a time she took a weekend trip up to her vacation home, or holiday home, as she called it, in Balmoral, Scotland. She actually went up there by herself just with her police officer, her personal protection officer. His name was Richard Griffin, otherwise known as Dick, and one day they went out for a picnic and uh, after they finished their lunch they got up and took a stroll and normally they didn't run into anyone but on this day there happened to be two hikers coming towards them. As they came closer it became evident that they hadn't recognized the queen and they began uh, entering into conversation with her unbeknownst as to who she was. Turned out they were Americans and they began to tell her about this hiking vacation they were taking, where they'd started, where they were going and all the adventures in between. And then they said to the queen, and where do you live? She said, well, I live in London, but I have a holiday home just the other side of the hill. I said, that's wonderful. How long have you been coming up here? She said, ooh, since I was a little girl, so about 80 years. He said, 80 years? You must have met the queen. <laughs> and quick as a flash, she said, well, I haven't met her, but Dick here meets with her regularly. <laughs> so they turned their attention to her police officer, Dick, and they said to him, oh, you've met the queen. What's she like? And Dick had been with the queen a while, so he knew he could pull her leg a little bit. So he said to them, well, she can be a bit cantankerous at times, but she's got a lovely sense of humor. And before Dick knew it, one of the hikers had put his arm around him, handed his camera to the queen, and said, could you take a picture of us? <laughs> of course, they played along, and then they traded places. They said their goodbyes and, and went on their way. And as they were walking off into the horizon, the queen said to Dick, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they show those photos to their friends back in America. <laughs> Welcome to Christmas Eve at Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here. It's such a joy to be celebrating the birth of Jesus with you. You know, it can be easy to mistake someone's identity like those American hikers, especially when you see them in an environment which isn't typical. I mean, if those Americans had seen the queen on her throne with her crown and her scepter, there would have been no doubt as to who she was. But that wasn't how they saw her. They saw her in a, a tweed jacket and a, and a headscarf in the Scottish Highlands. And when God came to earth in the person of Jesus, he didn't come sitting on a throne with a crown and a scepter. He came in a much humbler way. So let's go back to that first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, and hear the story of how God came to earth. And my hope is that through this message, you might be encouraged by that story of how God came to earth and encouraged by how he might come in your life today if you ask him. And our story begins with another surprising meeting in the countryside, but we're not in Scotland this time. We are in modern-day Israel. Here's how Luke, one of Jesus' biographers, records this surprise meeting. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, before we go any further, it's worth saying a thing or two about Shepherds. Shepherds did not have a great reputation in society at that time. 
One of the most important things in their culture was religion. And part of that was these rituals of, of cleaning and cleansing and purifying that you needed to go through. And as shepherds out in the fields with their sheep all the time getting dirty, they weren't able to undergo these cleansing rituals. And so they were kind of pushed to the side. Combine that with the reputation they had for stealing things, and shepherds really were outcasts from society. They were people that no one wanted to have anything to do with. In fact, they were considered so untrustworthy that their testimony was not valid in a court of law. They were outcasts, nobodies. And then Luke writes this, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. These shepherds might have felt like outcasts. They might have felt like rejects or nobodies, but they were not those things to God. God sent a messenger to them. That's what an angel is, a messenger. And this angel came to them because God didn't reject them. If you read the rest of the Christmas story, you'll see that that God only sends angels to people in Jesus' immediate family. Outside of that, there's only one other group that gets an angel sent to them, and that's the shepherds. The wise men don't get an angel. King Herod doesn't get an angel. The religious leaders in Jerusalem don't get an angel. Only the shepherds outside of Jesus' family. Why? Because I think God wanted to impress upon them that even if they felt outcast, he wanted to welcome them in. Maybe this year you have felt sidelined or outcast in some way. Maybe you've questioned your worth or your value. This Christmas Eve, if that's the case, I want you to know that God doesn't see you that way. God wants to include you in his story just as much as he wanted to include the shepherds. And tonight, God desires to meet with you and invite you into a greater story for your life. Let's keep reading. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, these shepherds were guarding their sheep. They're out in the fields, and they were used to people or maybe even animals coming and trying to attack them or their sheep. So some of them are sleeping, but some of them are keeping watch. They're looking out onto the horizon for approaching danger. But what happens is not something approaching, it's something that just appears. An angel appears and a light shines around them and they are totally shocked. It would be like someone creeping up on you in bed at night and turning a light on in your face. You would be terrified. But this angel, this messenger, had a very important piece of news for the shepherds. This is what the angel said. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The news that the angel brings to the shepherds is that a baby has been born this day for them. But this wasn't just any old baby. This was a baby that they had been waiting for for a very, very long time. You see, the shepherds were part of the nation of people who were awaiting their true king. Long ago, it was prophesied that God would send a king who would set his people free and rule with peace and justice forever. And this king was known as the Christ. 
And the people have been waiting a very long time for this king to come. And one time when we lived in England, my wife and I had to take a trip to see some of her family members for a lunch. They lived a couple of hours away, and we set off early in the morning, got onto the freeway, and about 10 minutes in, we hit traffic. I thought, it's fine. I know all the back roads. I'll get off at the next exit. We'll work our way around it. But it was gridlock. We didn't move for two hours. When we finally got through it, we phoned her family, said, we're going to be late, we're going to miss lunch, we'll stop and grab some food, but we'll get there as soon as we can. So we grabbed some food, got back on the road, and we were 20 minutes from our destination when the same thing happened again. Gridlock, two more hours sitting in traffic. By the time we got to the party, most of the people had left. They'd given up waiting for us. They just said, it's taken too long, they're not going to come, we're not going to wait around to see them. You know, I wonder if the shepherds felt the same way about this Christ, this promised king. It had been 400 years since they'd heard anything from God. And God's people had believed this king's going to come quickly, but he didn't. They waited and waited and waited and waited. And then on this night, an angel appears to the shepherds and says, the king has come. The Christ has been born to you this day. But just in case the shepherds didn't quite believe it, I mean, in case the angel and the light wasn't enough, the angel gives the shepherds a sign. This is what the angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The sign for the shepherds is that they'll find the baby in a manger. Now, if you've heard the Christmas story before, you're probably pretty familiar with that. That's old hat to us. But a baby in a manger, that would have been ridiculous to the shepherds. Babies don't belong in mangers. See, a manger is not a baby's crib. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. And every household would have one of them. So why would Jesus be put in a manger? Well, just a few verses earlier, we're told that his parents laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I remember when my daughter was two years old, she used to run around at Christmas saying, no room at the inn, no room at the inn. But do you know that word we translate as inn might better be translated as guest room? You see, Mary and Joseph, they traveled to see family at this time of year. And and when your family comes into town, you don't say, there's a lovely room at the inn at Gig Harbor for you. You say, we have a guest room, and it's ready for you, right? When your family come into town, you let them stay in the guest room. But there was so much family in town that they couldn't stay in the guest room. So do you know where they stayed? Right in the main room in the house. Take a look at this. This is a diagram of a first century Palestinian home based on archaeological excavations. You see the guest room at the right-hand end there. There were already people staying in there, so Mary and Joseph got to stay in the main room. And do you see those two circles, those two ovals in the middle of the main room? Those are mangers. Because right next to the main room, just down a few steps, the same room actually was where the animals were kept. And they would feed out of these mangers in the main room in the house. And so when Jesus was born, there was this convenient kind of crib-shaped size thing to put him in. But you know what's more interesting about this manger? Is that it was also used as a place where the family would put their food scraps. 
Today, what would we call the place where we put our, our food scraps, our things that we don't want to eat? Maybe a compost bin, maybe a trash can if you're kind of less eco-friendly. We, we put our food scraps in the trash, I'm ashamed to say. This was where they laid Jesus, in the same place that they would put out the things that, that they didn't want to eat, that weren't fit for human consumption. This baby, this baby boy, the king, the promised king, the, the chosen king who'd, who'd come to rescue and save the whole world was laying in a manger. And that's the sign that the angel gives the shepherds. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's ludicrous. Why would they do that? In fact, one of our team found a meme this week that I think captures the, the ridiculous nature of this. Take a look at it. Dude, there's a baby in the salad. It's totally ridiculous. But let me tell you that this right here, this is the very reason that Christmas is such good news. This baby lying in a kind of ancient compost bin or trash can, that's the very reason that Christmas is good news. Because you see, this baby wasn't just a king. This baby was God himself in the flesh. The same God who created the whole universe. The God who made planets and stars, mountains and oceans, rivers and lakes, killer whales and eagles, orchids and oak trees. The same God who made you and me. And the same God who watched as we tore this world apart. As we turned it into a bloodbath full of corruption, evil, sickness, and disease. This same God who could have stood far off and said, you made the mess, you clean it up. The same God said, no. I will come down right into the midst of the mess because I want to be with you. I love you too much to remain distant. I want to be with you in the midst of the mess. One of my friends tells a story about his friend Eric and how their parents met. Eric's mom at the time was eight months pregnant and her husband divorced her. She said to a friend, I, I, I just want to have some fun. Could, could we go on a road trip? So they rented a convertible, put the top down, and, and they just drove. Days went by, three, four days. They pulled in at a gas station, and she was a mess. I mean, hair all over the place. Makeup hadn't been done. She's been crying her eyes out. She's eight months pregnant. And this guy walks up to her at the gas station, starts talking to her, and eventually asks her out on the date. And that man turned out to be Eric's dad. One time, Eric said to his dad, Dad, what were you thinking? And Eric's dad said to him, son, I wasn't looking for someone perfect. I was looking for someone I could love. God isn't looking for perfection. God is just looking for a people he can love. That is the good news of Christmas. That when God sees our lives when he sees the things we've kept secret from everyone else, the regrets we have, the relationships we've broken, the people we've hurt, the mistakes we've made, the things that we want to throw away. 
he isn't repulsed by it. He isn't turned off by it. He doesn't remain distant. Instead, he says, I want to come right into the middle of it all. The good news of Christmas is that wherever you are at, whatever you have done, God is willing to step right into the middle of it. There's an old Christmas hymn, a carol as we call it, entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The lyrics of the final verse of this, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. You know, just like Jesus was born into the midst of that dirty manger, that ancient compost bin, Jesus can be born today into the midst of the mess of your life. If you're willing to pray and ask him to do that, he will do that. But he will do so much more than just be born into you. You see, Jesus loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. When you ask Jesus to come into the midst of the mess of your life, he doesn't leave you the same. As the hymn says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. When Jesus comes to you, he's not looking for someone perfect, but he does want to change you and move you closer towards his own perfect image. That's the story we heard from Adam and Laura in the video earlier of a God who transforms us, who isn't scared of our mess, but enters into it and turns it into something beautiful. So if you're here tonight and you would acknowledge my life, it's a bit of a mess. It's full of things I, I want to get rid of, I want to throw away, but I just, I don't know how to do that. And I want you to know that God wants to come into the middle of your mess and he wants to turn your mess into something beautiful. And if you want Jesus to do that tonight, all you need to do is pray and ask him. And it's a simple prayer. Sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry, Father, that I've made a mess of my life by trying to go my own way. Thank you, Jesus, that you came down into the midst of our mess. Please, Holy Spirit, transform the mess of my life. Make me new, make me whole. That's the prayer. And so I'm going to offer an opportunity for those who want to, to pray it right now. So would we all, out of respect, close our eyes and bow our heads and if you want to pray that prayer tonight to say, Jesus, be born in me, I invite you to echo these words silently in your heart as I pray them. Sorry, Father, that I've made a mess of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the midst of this messy world to be with us. Please, Holy Spirit, Transform my mess into something beautiful. If you prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, I want to invite you now to do something that maybe is a little bit bold, but I'd love to know who you are so I can pray for you, and we actually have something we'd like to give to you tonight. And so with every eye still closed, if you prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, 
Would you raise your hand so that I, I can see who you are and we can give you the gift that we have for you? If you prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, raise your hand. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Let me pray right now. Father, thank you for those who tonight have said, Jesus, be born in my life. Holy Spirit, pour out yourself upon them that they may be transformed, renewed, made new, and may know what it is to follow Jesus the rest of their lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Oh,